gives this the dagger. Oh! Illegal substitution. Too many men on the field. Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Edition number one of 2001 for the Outsiders. Brent Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. How you doing, Robin? And Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Aloha and good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh, we're not going. Are we going to go down that road today with the aloha thing? And well, the, right. uh, let's uh, let's let's try to stick <laughs> to uh, to our wheelhouse, which is sports. Well, here we go. It's the the start of a new NHL season just around the corner. Training camps are underway. Joining us on our podcast today will be Peter Labardius. And Peter is a well-known fixture across Western Canada for his great broadcasting. He was on Sportsnet, spent a lot of time in Edmonton. He was at CFRN or CTV Edmonton for quite a few years and has also been in Calgary and has recently and is continuing to be the color commentator on the radio broadcasts on uh, Rogers Sportsnet 960, The Fan. So Pete's been around and knows a fair bit, and we'll be getting to him in a couple of moments. And, of course, the other thing, too, Peter's got a soft spot for the World Junior Hockey Championship, always has, and we'll touch on that as well. And it can never be said too many times, one of the greatest calls for my money in the history of hockey with Ray Ferraro, on the Stefan Blown goal and Alish Hemsky coming back to score. What a magnificent moment and what a great call. Oh, and his reaction. It's funny, and I didn't, I just happened to have that handy. I didn't, you know, I didn't know you were going to go down that road, but anyway, I just. There you uh, go. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was pretty funny. And, and it's funny, the conversation we've had with Ray Ferraro. Ray was doing color with him that night on that particular mm-hmm. Oilers broadcast, and Ray went deep end on Patrick Steffen and said that he felt, as we talked to him oh, about a year and a half ago, that he'd gone a little too far. Yet, what I think it did for Ray was I think it basically showed him his guidelines on how far you can go and how far you shouldn't go. And uh, it, uh, you know, and Ray to me right now is your best color commentator on television. Yep. Does a great job. Bye, he knows exactly how far to go and how far not to go. And I think you learn from things like that. But, uh, but man, yeah, that was pretty special. Can you believe what we just saw? Okay, Pete, calm down. All right, uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, training camps underway in uh, all the Canadian centers as we get ready for our first ever all-Canadian division. Oh, sorry, it's called the North Division. Yes. <laughs> I still, I I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around why the NHL just wouldn't call it what it is, or are they just trying to keep the nationalism part of it out? Well, you know what? Maybe if they rejig it a little bit down the road, they keep some of it, but not all of it together. Maybe the North Division actually works. You know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe a couple teams drop out. I'd love to, I mean, we haven't even played yet, so I'm getting ahead of myself, but I love the idea of this division. What I love more than that, and you and I 
discussed it. Finally, the start of the next season is within reach. Now, there's still some factors out there that make me nervous, but, you know, that the Oilers are in camp, that the Flames are in camp, guys are skating again. Fans here have been wondering what the heck is going on, um, what's going to happen ever since, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup was handed out. Now we've got the 56 games. We've got, uh, the you know, the January 13th start. I tell you what, much needed. Fans in the building or not, let's play some hockey because I tell you what, right across this country, uh, whether you're talking Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, or even into the Maritimes, when you got no hockey, that's a big chunk uh, sort of out of the national fabric. I'm glad it's coming back. Well, I'm, I'm happy to see the Canadian division for one year, and we've talked about this in the past. I do like seeing all the, all the Canadian teams play here. I do like to see all the American teams play here. But you know what? You're, you're touching on something that might be of, of interest to others, that if you would like to add Seattle to the mix in the Northern Division, I would have no problem with that. Maybe Minnesota's close enough to being a northern team. In fact, Minnesota's for, further north than Toronto is. So, uh, mm-hmm. so, so I don't know. However, Minnesota's got a pretty good rivalry with Chicago, so you'd be taking a little bit away from that. The one thing that is going to be a real test for me, and it's, I've been watching really carefully to see how accepta- accepting fans are of watching Team Canada at this year's World Junior Hockey Championship in Edmonton, all the Team Canada games are at 4 o'clock local time. That's 4 o'clock in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a ton of games involving the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames at 5 o'clock starts. And Vancouver yep. is going to see a lot of games, almost the majority of their games, or at least half, are going to be 4 o'clock starts in Vancouver. And I'm not sure how that's going to play out out, out west here. We'll, we'll find out. But I've already been hearing the complaints come from the American teams about uh, mm-hmm. th- they don't have as big an issue as the Canadian teams will have in terms of uh, time zones. But uh, everybody's a little worried about uh, a little worried about their 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 starting times because that's your television audience. Yeah, true enough. I'm with you though, and, and again, we're 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 putting the cart before the horse here. But I love the thought of what you touched on. I don't think you need to go east of Winnipeg to have a real fun division out here down the road if you go uh, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Seattle. What a lot of fun that would be, huh? That Seattle is going to fill a very nice hole in terms of travel, not to mention the buzz that comes with a new franchise. But, hey, Everything has changed. Maybe that change is not finished. We'll have to wait and see. But I love the Canadian, the North Division. But I, I also <laughs> look forward to the potential for changes down the road too, because we could see some. Bren, everything's changed, and we're not through with that change. No, and the other thing too, and and we can briefly touch on the COVID situation. While they're trying to roll out the vaccinations as fast as they can, you and I are seeing how slow it's going. So I'm not convinced that we're going to see fans in the seats in Canada at all during this one mini season. And I'm hopeful that by the time they get started, and I'm thinking next season will probably be a November 1st start. I don't think it'll be getting going in October. Then maybe we might be able to get back to games again. 
American centers yeah. already talking about, well, Florida, for example, said that they are going to do, uh, I think, like a 30% capacity for their games, which all the jokes have been said that that's normally what they would draw anyway. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I The COVID certainly is changing the way the game is going to be covered. Uh, one of the things that, you know, we've been hearing about, uh, Pete might even bring it up when we talk with him about the fact that there's talk that the radio broadcasters may not even travel. They might end up doing the broadcast from their studios in their city via a big monster screen. And the yeah. other thing, too, now we're seeing more and more Zoom uh, conversations with players from down the locker room. So the media is a long way away. And I don't see that changing either. But these are the changes. And this is the new world. And I hate using the term the new normal, but I'm starting to sense that that's the direction we're going to be going with a lot of stuff. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Uh, it's been those sort of winds of change have been blowing a long time, um, accentuated. Now, you you and I are of a generation, Bryn, and we both did this, where even when you weren't doing an interview, you could walk down the ramp into the oiler room. Uh, Joey Moss would have the coffee pot on. You'd grab a coffee, and you'd go sit and you'd shoot the shit with Whoever, Dougie Wade, or before that, you know, uh, Mac T. Uh, Curtis Joseph. Curtis Cujo was Cujo. always a great guy to chat with. It was part of the relationship. A necessary part, I'm not sure, but it certainly was an enjoyable part. And you got a lot of your information, even if no story came from it at the time, yeah. uh, by sitting around and just shooting the breeze. Uh, you know, that changed a long time ago. Now it's, then it went to scrums hey, we don't want the guy having to say the same thing four times. If you want so-and-so, he's over there. Go get him. Go surround. Yeah. And and, and fair enough. I mean, you're streamlining it. Um, the fans just want the story. They don't care whether the reporters like it or not. And that's perfectly fair. Um, now we've got the situation forced on everybody. And it's been a revolution, not an evolution caused by COVID where uh, nobody gets in, and now it's Zoom. Um, we've talked about this before, Bryn. I think some or much of what we're seeing now is going to stick even when the pandemic is over and the vaccinations are in arms. As long as you get people the story, does it really matter whether the reporter got it via Zoom or via face-to-face? -face? I don't think it does from a fan standpoint, and that's the bottom line. Well, the thing that used to irritate me, and I'm going down your road, and this is the newspapers, we would see the same story from two different reporters. And I always loved, the reason why I used to buy two different papers, The Sun and The Journal in Edmonton, was I was always looking for something different, right? And for the longest time, you could be pretty much sure that you were going to read something uh, that Jim Matheson had done in The Journal that Terry Jones did not do in the sun, but Jonesy had done something completely different. And it made, it made you want to value buying both papers. And then all of a sudden there was this collaborative effort where both the papers kind of came together. And then now you can read the exact same story in both papers. And I hated that. I always like to go to media resources who would cover your particular team to try to find something unique or different, not the same thing. And I just think that's getting harder and harder to, to uh, find. It's the same thing now with TV and radio. It's the same clips on every station, 
And I used to, I'm, I'm like you. I, I tried to avoid the scrums. I like to go to guys individually because building that relationship or that uh, friendship, I, I, friendships, maybe not the, ah, okay, I'll use it. Where you could go and sit down and talk with uh, Jason Smith when he was playing with the Orders and just talk about pretty much yep. anything. In Calgary, uh, Mark Giordano, I used to love chatting with uh, Gio because he, about other stuff. And uh, the other one that I was uh, in Calgary, who was a classic example, was a guy who was always, I was always told would be a tough guy to talk to. And that was Mika Kiprasov. They said, oh, Kippy's pretty hard to get to know. But you start, you find out that he has this great outdoor arena on his acreage. So you start talking about, so how much time are you spending on that arena? And you start talking about the outdoor rink. And then you say, okay, listen. We'll talk to you later. And that's and you don't even pull your microphone out to do a conversation. You're just having a friend talk. And I always found that the next time you walked into the locker room, that particular guy who had a reputation of being a hard ass with the media always talked to you, right? Or talking to a guy about a new dog. He'd got a new dog, and you'd be talking about the dog, and then you'd just say, hey, listen, okay, well, we'll be watching tonight or whatever. You didn't always have to go into that locker room to find work. Sometimes you just went in there with your coffee and sat down and had a great conversation about something that was totally unhockey related. And that helped yep. it helped my relationship with players. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the bottom line for the fans is they want stories, but I, it's true. The variety of stories has been, clamp down on because everybody gets force fed the same thing, right? Whether it's off the podium or the player brought out and he's surrounded. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's a, it's a great job to have. It's not about, Oh, well, I could sit around and hang out with Gretz or pick a player. It wasn't about that, but there was a currency built in trust. And if you built trust, you were going to get stuff that other people didn't have, and you would serve your readers or your listeners that way. Now, whether you're trusted or not trusted, whether you've been there 15 years or 15 minutes, you're getting the same thing because everybody's spoon-fed the same stuff and the message is more controlled. not going to sit here and whine and cry because that's the direction it's moved and it's not moving back to the way it used to be. So, those who are on the beat now have to work with it. But it really is too bad that so much of it is sanitized and it's all the same clips and all the same stories because you're not allowed to pull anybody off to the side anymore. That does not serve the fans, the readers, and the listeners as well in many ways as used to be the case. Well, and now I think that probably the number one source for fans of any particular team is the fans uh, are being drawn to the team's website. The one yep. thing that, that I do enjoy is I do enjoy, for example, we'll use the Oilers as an example because that's where we're located. After every game, I just go to my YouTube channel and I watch the yep. uh, I just watch the press conferences live. And uh, that's good enough for me. And that's the direction that they've gone. And like I said, not whining or bitching or complaining on our part. It's just that I, I don't know how well served, if the fans are well served as much as they were before, they could be. Fans might view it as being even better than it used to be just by relying on a beat reporter. But this is where we are. And it, and like I said, with COVID, I think that uh, what we're starting to see now is the direction where we're going to go. Okay, hang on a second here. We're going to get to Peter Labardius in Calgary in a couple of minutes. He's at the Saddle Dome. 
And then when we come back, we'll talk about the World Junior Hockey Championship. We're down to the semifinals. By the time you downloaded this, it may be over anyway. But there's some other thoughts I want to pass along, and I know you have some thoughts as well. We'll wrap the the podcast up with that. But uh, we have to also remind you that The Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. 2020 was a challenging year. They're very excited about 2021. There's a lot of optimism in certain spots across the country when it comes to real estate. One of the hot places right now is Ottawa. They are seeing a surge in their real estate. Alberta, in particular Edmonton and Calgary, has been pretty flat, but they're starting to see some some come around or a, a little bit of some positive stuff right now. And I was just chatting with uh, with Brent McIntosh over the holidays, and they're very, very optimistic about the year coming up. But they certainly rose to the challenge last year, and uh, we want to thank them for coming on board and being one of our sponsors. If you'd like to get a hold of them, maybe you're thinking of selling your home. Maybe you're thinking of buying a home this summer, or you're going to be shifting. I don't know. Give them a shout. The Macintosh Group is available at 780-464-0075, or you can go to macintoshgroup.ca for all of your information. Okay, so that is pretty much it for this segment. When we come back, guess who we're going to talk to? We're going to uh, we're going to hear from Peter Labardius. <music> Joining us from the Saddle Dome in Calgary is the color commentator, the the other voice on the radio broadcast for the Flames. Peter Labardius joins us. How you doing today? I'm uh, delighted to be with you guys. Happy New Year and excited about 2021. How far? It looks like you're way up in the rafters today at the <laughs> Saddle Dome, and you're all masked up to do this interview. So uh, we appreciate you uh, really socially distancing. Well, you know what, Bren? I've started to learn in my life I should have been more socially distant for about the last 50 years. <laughs> That's good. Hey, and listen. wear a mask. Yeah. Well, the mask, I think, is everybody keeps telling me is always an improvement on me. So I'll say the same to you. But, uh, man, let's talk about training camp underway, the Calgary Flames. And we'll also talk about Vancouver and Edmonton, too, because I think we're, we're going to this all-Canadian division this year. And a lot of people are excited about it. I'm guessing you're pretty jacked up about it, too. I am. Um, you know, being in the demographic that I'm in, I crave rivalry. I think to a certain extent, it's been lost a little bit in sports, which might have more to do um, with society and and the generation as much as anything and how teams and people go about their business. But I'm, I'm really excited about it. In fact, I've said guys publicly that I'm sure it won't happen and it won't happen with people playing one another 10 and nine times a season. But I would truly look at it more long-term, adding Seattle for the regular rivalry with Vancouver and go from there. I, I think it's going to be a big hit. I think the television numbers will reflect that, and you know we'll see where it goes. I'm, I, I'm so fascinated to see how it plays out in every way, shape, or form. You know, Pete, here in Alberta – We've had the Battle of Alberta in name only for too many years. It's been a long time since the teams were both good at the same time. They're both good now, and you've got the format we've got. I think we've got a real chance to see some 
good hockey out west here. And we can throw the Canucks into that mix, but particularly uh, Edmonton and Calgary. What's your take on that? Well, I'm the same, Robin, and, and like you, um, you know, from a media standpoint, and as you well know, I've seen this rivalry from both sides of the coin, not just one. I'm spending a lot of time in Edmonton around the Oilers for a few years. The name Battle of Alberta has been something that we've talked about. But until last season, and maybe one game the season before, I haven't really seen that on the ice. But last year, it was back. And it took, I think, all of us back to those glory days. Understanding it's never going to be quite like that. It's just, as I mentioned to Bryn off the top, you know, it's different times. They're different people. They train together. It's, it's very, very different. But, Robin, I, I couldn't agree more. And let's be frank, too, for both these teams, both the Flames and the Oilers, for great stretches, I've always felt like, in some ways, Vancouver was the number one rival for both those teams rather than one another, depending on, you know, what group of years. So couldn't agree with you more, my friend. All it takes is to have a couple of goaltenders drop the flippers at center ice and we're on. Well, I, I think I think my good man it got started a little before that, but that didn't hurt for sure. That that didn't hurt for sure. What's going on in Calgary? You have a new netminder there, and you have a netminder that was their number one guy only a year ago before Cam Talbot kind of got hot. So I'm wondering uh, how this is going to play out with the two netminders in Calgary. Well, listen. Bryn, when you go out and you make the kind of investment to one of the best guys in the league the last couple of years in Jacob Markstrom, you know, the Flames have been in a really interesting scenario in the sense that goaltending in this market gets talked about daily. And there has been an unbelievable want and need, and I understand it. I was lucky enough to see some of his brilliant work that, They've been looking for the next guy after Mika Kiprasov here. And in Markstrom, while even in the last two playoffs, goaltending has not been the issue. And the goaltending here has been okay. It just it hasn't been stable. So now you go out and you get Markstrom, you sign him, um, you have a lot of faith, should give you stability. And as far as Riddick is concerned, Bryn, you know, I think everything has changed now. You need two goalies. You, you really do. And this year with the compacted 56-game schedule, um, yes, you need a main guy, but the Flames feel like they have an excellent tandem, and and I think that's going to really pay dividends. You you just – you're not going to be able to ride that individual. I mean, Jacob's going to get the lion's share of the work, but David's going to be really, really important. And I think for the teams that, you know – don't have a good second option, I think it will hurt them. I really do. Pete, uh, the goaltending has to be good. That's a given, as you just mentioned. Uh, I really like Jacob Markstrom. So let's assume he and Riddick deliver as Calgary fans would hope. You still need more than that. What more do the Flames need to do to get over the top? Because I've looked at this club for a couple of years and thought, this is a pretty good team, but they've left me wanting. Yeah, and I understand that, and, and I don't think you're alone in that group. I do think, Robin, how they played in the two playoff series, winning against Winnipeg, and even though they fell against Dallas, I think they were harder to play against. I think 
there was more edge. Um, this is a different team, though, now, Robin, than the summer with adding people like Levo and Simone and Nordstrom. I think it's a group of forwards that's probably never been deeper since I've been around Calgary for the last 10 or 11 years. However, um, when I think about the makeup of this team, you know, two guys are always very much in the spotlight, and that's Monaghan and Gaudreau. It's been tough sledding the last little bit. But I see this team now as having an advantage by committee. And I also think what's going to happen here, Robin, is they're going to require a bit of a reconstruction project in their forward group. The good news is now they have more options. And when I think about how they're going to go about their business, you know, they don't have what you guys have in Edmonton. They, they don't have what they have in Toronto in terms of they have some really, really good players, and when they're at their best, some outstanding players. But do they maybe have the elite of the elite? Well, not necessarily. So when that is the case, I think they're a deeper team than they've been. And you know the model that Vegas is kind of, you know, how they kind of keep rolling line after line and gaining advantage? Mm -hmm. I see Calgary moving more in that kind of neighborhood where they throw out those four lines, have a pretty solid defense, and keep coming at you and take advantage that way. Let's talk about leadership. The captain of that club, well, I know this goes back to when I was there. I've always been impressed by Gio and how he's handled things, but there's a slow transition away from Gio now to a new group of leadership in Calgary. And uh, I think it's kind of exciting to watch how that's progressing. Are you finding the same thing? Yeah, Brent, there's absolutely no question. And, you know, um, you can't look much farther than Matthew Kachuk when you talk about you know, that younger core. And that's what, for me, is the most exciting thing about the Flames is kind of that group, you know, the 25, 26 and under group where they've got a lot of good people. So I agree with you. I, I think they're headed in that direction. Mark's, you know, Mark's going to have his, you know, banner raised to the rafters, I believe, at, at some point when he's all said and done. He's been an incredible person, an incredible person on, off the ice one of the best I've ever been around. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the new phase for this team is continuing to grow that group that I just talked about and find leadership through there. But they're, they're in good shape. They're, they're in good shape, I believe. But, you know, sometimes the transition is difficult when in some ways you're passing the torch a little bit from one group to the next. Peter, let's uh... – Let's move up the highway here to Edmonton. Um, for me, uh, when you start with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you better find a way to get something done because those are the hardest pieces to find. Um, finding the right players to put around them, while not easy, is easier they're not old players yet by any stretch, but Edmonton fans, having seen what they've seen for the more than a decade, say, uh, is this the year? When you look at the Oilers, is this the year? Well, I think they're continuing to take steps. Um, the most interesting thing to me about the Oilers, Robin, is this. Um, I'm not always comfortable with the narrative that goes on in Edmonton where the talk is about, you're wasting years with those guys when you don't get anything done. The fact of the matter is it's still a team sport. 
And um, I, I don't like the fact that in some ways a lot of pressure is put on them, but it's still about your team. And it's still about your best people making other people around them better. Mm-hmm. So the narrative there sometimes I find concerning, but the most interesting thing for me in Edmonton is that playoff series against Chicago should not have gone over well. Frankly, it should not have occurred. And like everything else in life, including the guy that you do the show with who amazes me every day with how he responds to the most difficult challenges, what do the Oilers do with what happened? And how do even their best players challenge themselves to be better in the key hard moments? We know they can score. They're going to score again. They're, they're, they're two of the most brilliant offensive players that I've ever watched in 50 years of watching this sport. However, we also saw Jonathan Taves win a lot of key battles and that Chicago group win a lot of key battles at key times. So what I'm interested in in closing with the Oilers is what are you going to learn from that disappointment? Because you're going to have to continue to make strides in other areas to get better. And with Dave Tippett at the helm, you know, I, I think they're on their way to better things. And I'm excited for them too about a young emerging group on the back end, which has some good growing people. The other thing too, they really, really feasted on the power play and their penalty kill was pretty fantastic last year as well. Now with a Canadian division and you're taking on teams 10 times, it's not going to take too long before if you don't find new innovative ways of producing on the power play, I'm not so sure that that's going to be able to carry the Edmonton Oilers through a shortened season because these coaches are going to see that power play a lot, Pete. Well, they are, Bryn. And, you know, listen, the Oilers had one of, if I think, the greatest special teams combined season in 40 years. Yeah. However, you know, and, and, and there might be some drop-off. There's, there's too many weapons for them to completely fall off the table regardless of adjustment. To me, Bryn, there, it's, it's continuing to get better five-on-five. Yeah. In in every aspect throughout your lineup and having the ability for your best people to be as reliable away from it as they are with it. You know, when when I think about Edmonton, you know, listen, you can't compare because at one point and, and I think it's what's hard in Edmonton sometimes is people are so passionate there. I know I've lived it, I've experienced it. They've always had great players and they expect so much. And, you know, in, in the Gretzky era, okay, was Wayne maybe the greatest defensive player of all time? No. But if, but if the other team got four, he's probably with all his friends going to get six. So if you get four, but you still give up five, that's not good enough. Yeah. Pete, before we go to the world junior championship, which I know is a big part. Yeah, I don't of mind that event. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, Let's it's, uh, it's okay. handicap the field for us quickly. I know camp has just begun. I know there can be changes. There can be injuries. But when you look at this Canadian division, oh. specifically, Pete, um, you know, everybody's got their take. As of now, when you look at it, what do you see? Robin, I, I, I don't like 
being in the prediction business. I, I appreciate the question. Um, you know, I, I think strictly talent-wise, it's, it's hard to not have Toronto probably somewhere at the end, up, upper end of the table. Mm-hmm. But after that, frankly, with Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, Montreal, I think they're way better, way better, but I still need to see a little bit more. Yeah. Winnipeg, to me, is the is the wild card. I don't know if they're going to be top three or they're going to be six. So it is so competitive, Robin, and so I'm not trying to completely dodge it. But outside of maybe Ottawa being in their spot, I think it's really hard. And I won't be the least bit surprised at how it plays out the rest of the way. And I'll say this, and I've said this many times already, how teams play against the Ottawa Senators will have a real impact on the race. Because I think, especially early, in such a competitive division, people are going to undersell Ottawa. And they're going to play spoilers in this race. You can almost take that to the bank. Well, and they also have somebody new coming into their lineup who has just been lighting it up, and it's been so much fun to watch oh. at the World Juniors. That, and actually, you bring up a great point here, Pete, because you can't tell me Leon Dreisaitl is not going to be jacked up for games against the Ottawa Senators. Well, sure he is. And, and you're referring to Tim Stutzla. He's been my favorite guy to watch in the whole event. Um, and the one moment I'll never forget, and there were many, that tell you a lot about an individual and it's just about talent. It's about care and passion, playing every shift like it is last. I love that combination of incredible skill, but that passion, that guy's a winner. I truly believe the Ottawa Senators have found somebody very special in Tim Stutzler. Yeah, absolutely. And you've seen a lot of these tournaments this kid is really special. Um, when you look at Team Canada, you know, they go in every year, as we know, anything less than gold, people are questioning the whole Canadian hockey system, it seems. Um, <laughs> which, are we ever going to stop that? I don't think I, so, I, I unfortunately. Hope so. We I, should. I, yeah. But this is a good, this is a good group. I, I think the rest of the tournament uh, – it can be even more dynamic than what we've seen so far. Listen, I, I think um, this tournament, Rob, in the last 10 years, when you get to the final four, it has produced some of the greatest junior hockey I've ever watched. Bryn, you know, you had the experience of, of going over, um, even go back to last year. You tell me those two semifinals in the gold medal game weren't some of the greatest junior hockey you've ever seen with your own two eyes? Well, you know, what's interesting you know, about that is that I loved watching the gold medal game and I was sitting in the middle of the family section for the Russian players, which really added a, another element or another spice to the mix. But I don't think it's until I got home and watched it on television that I realized what a classic I was watching. But we, oh. we we're continually fed this all the time, which is one of the reasons why this event is so much so much fun to watch, whether you're there or not. It's 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 true, and like I said, you, you look back at the finals of this event since 2010. Outside of one year, they've all been classics. Whether Canada's been involved or haven't been involved, I won't I won't go through the history lesson. Um, 
for years, even when Canada has won as they did from 05 to 09, Bryn, go all the way back to 1982. The minute nature between winning and not losing this event is so small every year, it's incredible. It's not the Canadian given right to win. And I just so appreciate when this tournament especially gets down to the final four, final five now, it just produces great hockey, and you're going to see it again today. You are. Hey, we, we only have you for a few more minutes because your practice is about to get rolling down there in Calgary. But when, when you take a look at, okay, so we've Canada, Russia in one semifinal, and we've got the U.S. and Finland. Can't be surprised by that. But there's been a lot of talk, and it seems to come up all the time, about whether or not the Austrias and the Switzerlands and even the Germanys should even be at this event. But to me, how are they going to get better if they're not taking on some of the bigger teams? Bryn, um, I'm not going to get fired up, but it drives me crazy. It, dri- it drives me crazy because, you know, there, there's more to this event than just the nature of the competition for the viewer. It's about growing the game. It's about exposing more countries. Listen, might I tinker with the format a little bit? Yeah, I might. I might. Um, I might have more of a two-tiered grouping to start and then involve some of the other teams from the second pool back into the playoffs to get to the quarterfinal. But listen, if you've been around this tournament, you know how special it is for those kids to qualify, to be in to experience it. So do I find those 16 twos and 14 nothings comfortable? No. I just choose to focus on what is. I don't have expectations that every game in the event is going to be perfect. We seem to live in a world where everybody wants everything to be perfect. However, nothing is perfect. So I'm okay with a few burgers, as I like to call them. But at the end, I'll focus on the poutine because that's where that's where it is, and that's how I look at it. How have you survived through all of this? Because I know how much the game of hockey means to you. I also know how much your family means to you. And I, I, I can't remember. I think it was Conan O'Brien who said his goal for the this coming year, 2021, was to spend less time with his family, which I thought was very funny. But... Uh, <laughs> But it's been, t- it's been tough on a lot of people. Brent, Brent, you know what? In all sincerity, um, through lots of people, including yourself, I've found myself more grateful for the journey that I've had than I've ever had. I've done an incredible deep dive in terms of learning about myself, what's important, trying to define that in some ways once and for all. Um, it's been quite a journey. It's had some ups and downs in regards to finding out some hard answers to some tough questions, but I, I've really the best that I can and have been able to, I've tried to use the year to enjoy my family, which I don't get to see eight months of the year because my wife and stepdaughter live in Mississauga. My son lives in Edmonton. Um, so I tried to enjoy, especially the Ontario type, the more, and took some time to be grateful. Took some real time to be grateful 
and trying to challenge myself to be better. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your time. We'll let you roll. Say hi to Mr. Wills for us and uh, tell him that we'll be tracking him down as the season goes along as this all Canadian season rolls. Anything from you, Robin, before we roll? I just wanted to, like I said earlier, uh, wish Peter a happy new year. And I think a lot of people could take what he just said uh, and apply it to the next year or the next several years. And we, we'd all be better for it. Yeah. Thanks Robin. I just, you know, if we can all just be a little bit kinder and remember to put some other people's shoes on once in a while, when we make judgments and how we go about our business, I, I think the world would be a kinder, gentler place. Pete, thanks, thanks for your guys. time. Be this well. has been great. Get down there and uh, and mask up. And by the way, how's the bubble experience gone in Calgary so far? What's that? How has the bubble experience gone in Calgary so far? A little tougher to get into the arena. You're wearing a mask. It's a lot yeah, different. Yeah, it was just like the summer. That's okay. that's kind of what we've experienced. And, Bryn, um, it's a new world now. So oh, yeah. you do the best you can, including, you know, in our case, calling games on the road probably again from a boardroom different not perfect but guess what i don't have to look very far to see things that are different and not perfect thanks for your time and we'll talk soon through the season okay be well guys all the best take care thanks, of yourself. Well, there you go. Peter Labardi is joining us from Calgary, right from the arena, all masked up and everything. Even though he's talking <laughs> to us, this couldn't be more socially distant. But, I, you know, I was appreciative of the fact that he took his mask off halfway through the interview. I think he probably realized, I don't need this now. I feel comfortable well, with these two guys. Way up there in the cheap seats uh, talking to us, uh, empty seats uh, all around him. Yeah, it was nice of him to make time for us. Uh, especially uh, to kick off 2021. Hey, before we start talking about the World Junior Hockey Championship that's wrapping up in Edmonton this week, part of our intro is Wayne Gretzky scoring his 50th goal in 39 games. A few people mm -hmm. ask me, who was that doing the play-by-play? -play? Well, it was our very good friend, Tim Dancy, who we sadly lost last year to cancer. He yep. was fighting multiple myeloma, and I love Tim. He was a great guy. Always had great conversations with Tim. So it was my honor to slip that in there so that I could be reminded of the great work that he had done. And he was way back in the early 80s doing play-by-play -play on ITV. Yeah. But one of the producers of the broadcast back then was Steve Lansky. You know Steve. I know Steve. And Steve mm -hmm. was uh, commenting because the 30th of December, way back in the day, is when Wayne Gretzky set that record. So there's, that clip always comes up. But he, yep. brought, he brought up a story talking about the fact that having a beer after the game, Tim was laughing about how as Wayne Gretzky's moving down to take the shot, he should have gone, I'm Tim Dancy, and then shoots and scores. That way uh, they would have been forced to edit it or he would have got his name out there because that clip is played all the time. And I thought that's pretty funny, to, at least to me it is, that he would just suddenly think about you know throwing his name in there to make sure that in this one audio clip and video clip that's living on and on and on through the generations that he would find a way to slip his name in there so people knew it was him. And the other thing that a lot of people don't know is Don Cherry was doing color for him in that particular broadcast. And Don, the moment the goal was scored, Don wanted to talk. 
and somebody in the truck had to tell him, Don, shut up. Let the crowd sometimes respond, which is one of the things I love about television is that TV, I can see as much as I want to hear. On radio, I can understand Rod Phillips maybe wanting to talk about how the building has gone crazy and that kind of thing because I can't see it. But when I'm watching television, I don't need to have an announcer constantly talking to me. And we've talked also about, man, I'm talking a lot here, Robin, sorry. We've also talked about the uh, the famous home run of Kirk Gibson's with the L.A. Dodgers mm-hmm. and how Vin Scully, who was, doing, who was a master at radio and was pretty damn good on television as well, also understood that that home run was so monstrous. He didn't say anything for about a minute and 40 seconds, and he was constantly being told in his, uh, in his headphones, say something, say something, say something. Well, he didn't say anything because he knew that the reaction of the crowd on the camera shots, they were just they were basically like a sponge just soaking it all in. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I thought it was a pretty funny story from Tim Dancy, and like I said, we, uh, we will remember Tim fondly. And we'll miss him greatly. Okay. I had not heard. I had not heard that story. Uh, but what I can say, uh, in addition to what you've said, you knew Tim far better than I. I got. I. I mean, I got here in time for that last Stanley Cup uh, run uh, in December of 1989. Tim Dancy was well established, beyond established at that point. Uh, he is one of those guys who, when I showed up at the rink for the first time. Hey, nice to meet you. How's it going? If you need anything, just let me know. Um, yeah, so Tim Dancy is missed. And and he meant it, too, when he said that. So yeah, uh, he did. And the other thing, and one last thing on this, I had no clue that he was battling multiple myeloma. And I was at an event, and it was a salute to Barry Stafford, the longtime equipment manager with the Edmonton Oilers, who also has been fighting and fighting hard and is winning his battle over multiple myeloma to this point. And at that event, I ran into Tim. I said, hey, it's great to see you here. He says, well, I'm also having, you know, my struggles with multiple myeloma. I had no clue. He never mentioned it. He always Mm -hmm. was so upbeat and so cheerful. Anyway, uh, like I said, Tim will not be forgotten by an awful lot of us. Okay, let's get to the World Junior Hockey Championship. At the time of our taping, we're settling in, getting ready for two semifinal matchups, an afternoon matchup between Canada and Russia, They were the finalists in 2020 in Ostrava in the Czech Republic. And the evening game will feature Canada, sorry, will feature the U.S. and Finland. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we could talk all we want about these matchups. But the one thing I'd like to talk about, Robin, is this is an event in the middle of December. We weren't even sure they were going to be able to pull it off. And they've done a remarkable job with it. So congratulations to everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, everything's new. it's a it's an event where well any event having fans in the building helps but you take that away you take what they can control and they've done a terrific job the you know the final four again people will pick us up might be after the tournament's done but you get a final four of of uh, you know Canada and the Russians and the Finns and the U S uh, you've set the stage for a real good end of this thing. This has been a hell of a tournament for as long as I can remember. I covered my first one in 91 in Saskatoon uh, with Bure and Lindros and, and that, that cast of characters. Brutally cold. It's a, it, it, poor, I remember poor, 
poor Frank Orr, who was even not a young man even back then, would come to the media van with his overcoat pulled up around his neck, and he'd never complain. But man, he was yeah. That froze the balls off a brass monkey that weather there. I mean, it was unbelievable, and for like for the entire time. But the hockey was great, and the hockey again uh, this year has been terrific. Um, maybe we get a normal one down the road, but for here and now, it's a, it's still a wonderful event. Hey, do you remember who scored the winning goal in that game? For the gold medal for Canada? Do you want me to Sweeney. refresh? Yeah, hang on a second. Up the boards, can't get it out. Sweeney, flash for <laughs> In overtime, Jim Houston with the call. I bet, I, better, I better remember that when you're sitting there. Yeah, yeah, John Sweeney. Yeah, I know. And I, it's funny. I remember still Doug Waite was uh, playing for Team America at that game, and he said that's as cold as he's ever been. He said, I don't recall it being ever that cold in my time in Edmonton, but I still remember that time in Saskatoon. I said, yeah, you're a young pup. Uh-huh. You're a young pup. Anyway, no, they've done a really great job. But you've, you've, how many have you covered? There's also something about covering or going to one that's away from Canada. Just kind of opens yeah. your eyes a little bit to how others view the sport. Well, I guess if Anchorage counts as a way from Canada, I can say that. I have not gone uh, across the Atlantic as you have to see one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you talked about that when, you know, you got back from that. I mean, the singing, the chanting, it's a whole different experience over there. Whether it's hockey or soccer, for that matter, they know how to get it on inside the rink and have a good time. Well, the funny part is is that I traveled 14 hours to watch the one last year in the Czech Republic, and now I'm 14 minutes away from the arena here, and I can't go. That's not <laughs> lost on me. Uh, anyway, I, I just I think they've done a great job, and it's going to be back in Edmonton and hopefully Red Deer uh, at uh, the conclusion of this year, setting up the table for next year, and then it's off to uh, beautiful Siberia in 2023, and in Sweden the following year. I'd like to be able to make it to both. I do laugh because mm-hmm. I, on my uh, my phone, I kind of want to find out what the temperature is like every day in uh, Novosibirsk in Siberia, which is uh, uh-huh. 14 hours away from Edmonton. It is currently, as the, right now it's in the, uh, it's around 1 o'clock in the morning. It's a balmy minus 32 there today. And then looking at their weather forecast for the whole week, it's daytime highs of minus 23, overnight lows of minus 33. So it's going to be brisk. Who cares? The hockey's been good. And uh, I've really enjoyed watching the tournament, even though it's been a little surreal watching the tournament with nobody there this time around, Robin. Yeah. That's that's the big difference. That's the big difference, NHL, World Junior. But the, 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 the nice thing about the you know, world junior crowds is you get the, you know, you get the nationalism role and you get the, the flags and the, and the uh, jerseys of the uh, respective countries in the audience. And, uh, you know, let's face it a little more of a, an international crowd. There are people who come over for this and uh, it's a lot of fun, just like Canadians, like you did going to the Czech Republic. Um, Fans come over here to support their team. There's a lot of so – anytime you get the flags waving in the building and the chants going and the hockey is great, it's a good time. Well, it's funny too, and I'll just go down this road one more time, is that the the highlight for me 
was for the gold medal game last year, Canada and Russia. I didn't realize what how great a game it was till I watched it on television. When you were there, you swept up in all the emotion and you just kind of went with the ebb and the flow. And But I was sitting right in the middle of the Russian parents section, which was a little uncomfortable because it's just me and I'm surrounded by three rows of Russian parents and uh, sisters and girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. It, it was a real surreal experience, but uh, I got a nice hug from a big Russian father whose son had just got beaten by Canada, and uh, he said, good game, good game. It had to have been tough on them, but, you know, it's th- that's the stuff I remember. I, you know, I would it be easy to remember the winning goal? Now moved ahead. In comes Tom to the check. Moved it, but he scores! Kill Thomas has given 10 to the lead. The Boston former is the guy for the third period. Great call by Gord Miller, <laughs> by the way. TSN does such a wonderful job with this. And the other thing, too, it really, it's an event that they took on when nobody really wanted to broadcast it. And this is yep. an event that TSN have just brought from virtually nothing up into this tradition over the holiday season. So, uh, anyway, Gord and Ray do a, a remarkable job and the entire crew. So, uh, so there's that. Do you want to have a little fun and just make some predictions, which will be uh, – you know, we'll know by next week whether or not we're out to lunch on it. But, okay, Canada, Russia, who are you picking? Canada. Okay. I will say the same, although I will say that uh, Askarov, the goaltender, does concern me a little bit because when if he gets red hot, he might be able to steal that game. But I'm with you with Team Canada. I think they'll pick up their game. The only thing is they won't have a crowd to take it to help them get to the next level. They're going to have to do it on their own. I'm pretty sure they can do it. Mm-hmm. And then we have the U.S. and Finland. And uh, right now, uh, I get, I'll make the first prediction. I'm taking Team USA, who right now I think could beat Canada in the gold medal final, but we'll see. But uh, I'm going to take uh, the Americans over Finland. But the Finns, if you let them hang around, they can scare you and they can beat you. So uh, we'll see how the Americans handle it. I'm taking uh, – I'll take the Yankees against uh... – Finland and uh, Canada over the Stars and Stripes in the final. Okay. And uh, Homer call, but that's how I see it. I'm a little worried about uh, the American team and Team Canada. The only thing is that that I got to say, uh, uh, Devin Levi has been just sensational as a netminder for Team Canada through this event. However, the guy at the other end for the Americans has been just as good. I, uh, I've been very, very impressed with the way Knight has played between the pipes for Team USA. I, um, I'm going to go against the grade here a little bit, and I'm actually going to take an upset in the gold medal game. I'm going to go with the mm-hmm. Americans, but I think it's going to be damn close. And if Team Canada wins, it wouldn't be surprised, but I just, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm impressed by a lot of guys. Uh, Zgrass, uh, the, the one sniper for the Americans, has been, has been tremendous as well. But like I said, Coin flip for me, but I just think that right now the Americans seem to have just a little extra edge. We'll see. Anyway, that's pretty much it for today. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I think I'm good. I'm looking forward to uh, a 2021 that's better than 2020. Uh, all around for every for everybody, our our uh, our listeners, for our hockey fans, for our friends in the CFL. Please let there be a season. Yes. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know what? 
better things ahead. Uh, looking back isn't going to change anything, so better things ahead and let's go. And a big thank you to the Macintosh Group. They're our sponsor of this podcast. And as we mentioned, uh, chatting with Brent Macintosh, 2020 was a challenging year. They found a way to regroup midway through and were able to come through the back end of it really in pretty good shape. And they're very excited. Like you, Robin, they're taking a positive attitude towards the upcoming year. So if you are looking to buy or sell your home, get a hold of the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. As I said, they understood that they needed to make a few changes and they uh, have always had a positive attitude. So if you talk to Brent or any of his team members, they'd be more than happy to help you out. Their phone number, 780-464-0075, or you can track them down. MacintoshGroup.ca is their website. Okay, and to kind of wrap things up, you can now email us at theoutsiders at shaw.ca, and we'd love to get feedback from you. Maybe there's a guest you'd like us to try and track down. We'll be uh, we'll be checking that email frequently. And you can also get a hold of us on Twitter. The handle's real simple there. It's at Outsiders2020. We're not changing the date, by the way. We'll leave it at uh, 2020. Make sure you tell your friends and also subscribe to our RSS feed. That means that when we drop a new podcast, you are notified immediately or it'll download to whatever your favorite ear candy site is. And, of course, we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and other stuff like that. And once again, your support is greatly appreciated. And if you would like to be a sponsor, once again, just drop us a note. Actually, you can drop me a note at mightymouth at shaw.ca, and we'll get rolling on that. The other one we'll leave for uh, show comments and that kind of thing. That's it, Robin. All right. See you. In the meantime, and in between time, that's it, another edition.